been a long day. <laughs> they let me off the bench. Kevin Maines is like, Buckner, get in the game. I'm in there. Put the helmet on. I'm ready to preach. As you can tell, it's been college football that started. Anyone college football fans out there? Any, anybody? Okay, okay. Oh, got Gator fan? Sewer's probably the biggest Gator fan I know. <laughs> and his wife. <laughs> awesome. Um, well, uh, you know, we're going into this next trimester, which is love for the lost, right? You know, I don't know about you, but I go into these uh, different trimesters, you know, it's like, you know, love one another, love God. Love for the lost is a daunting task. You know, I mean, Matthew 28, 16 through 20 says, hey, go into all the nations making disciples. First Timothy chapter 2, uh, verses 3 and 4, God says, I want all men to be saved. That's overwhelming. I don't know if you like me, but that's overwhelming. And so going into love for the lost, it's we've got to get our hearts in the right place because we ought to win this lost world. Uh, there's a lot of people in Orange County, last time I checked, uh, a lot of people in needing and searching of God. And, uh, you know, it's great to hear Armand share about Chennai and all the great things that are happening. But we can't be fooled because there's a lot of hurting people here spiritually. I, I bet if God rolled back the curtain and we saw... Uh, 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 physically what was spiritual, we would be shocked of a county that, that's uh, just searching in need of God. Amen? I've been uh, uh, impacted by this lesson. This is uh, uh, inspired by the Lord uh, and through Scott Sweeney. Uh, we went on a uh, OC uh, a retreat, and he gave a lesson about how uh, God is just incredible and how big God is. So I know Scott Sweeney is shortly probably coming into town. I don't know if he's in town yet. No, I don't want to knock over the water there. That wouldn't be good. Um, but I don't know if he's uh, in town yet. But uh, he, he gave this message on the spirit of Scott Sweeney. He would be here, uh, obviously, speaking of this message. Amen? Uh, turn over to Ephesians chapter 1. The title lesson is, uh, We Worship a Big God. Did you know that? We don't worship an itty-bitty God that fits in, in our pockets. We worship a big and great God. That's the God I worship, at least. Hopefully, it's the same for you. Turn over to Ephesians 1. This is a scripture that I read to people when I'm doing a study called Seeking God, helping people understand how powerful and how awesome God is. And in verse 18, are you guys there? And, uh, you know, you can give me amen, like I mentioned in the earlier service. You can stand up. You can clap. You can say, praise Jehovah. It's all good. It helps encourage me as I preach. Uh, verse 18, it says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, his incomp- incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body and the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. We worship a big God. You know, and I encourage you to go back and read all of Ephesians. It's a great chapter. Chapter one is amazing how it breaks things down and just and it talks about how God has chosen us. 
But I love how he ends off here. He says that God has a power that can't be compared. You know, when I, when I do the study with people, I ask them, you know, what is the, the most powerful thing that you can think of? And you get some random answers from uh, the college students. You know, one guy said, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> I forgot the cartoon. It was some, like, random cartoon. I'm like, that's the best you can do, you know. Of all the things you can think of, that's the best you can do. I mean, it's powerful, but I was like, I'm sure there's other things. But when I did uh, this with the students, I showed a picture of the atom bomb, and it's this famous footage where they drop the atom bomb, and it just demolishes this house in like a second. I mean, it just obliterates it. It almost turns to dust. And I think, wow, that's, that's pretty powerful, right? But God is immeasurably more powerful. See, it can't even be compared. Is that the God you serve? You know, I don't serve a God that's weak. I serve a God that's mighty. I serve a God that is powerful. And if we are to go out and save this lost world, you've got to believe that. You've got to believe that you worship a big God. You know, I, I mentioned earlier for the service this morning, it's almost like those commercials, the Verizon commercial. I'm back by the network, you know. And I love that image. It's like, that's God for us. It's like, who are you preaching? I'm like, I'm preaching the name of Jesus. God the Father, come on. I'm backed by the network of Jesus Christ. And in having that inspiration, you know, I said earlier, I mean, there is no drop calls with Jesus. You pray with him. You pray to him. He answers your prayers. Amen. You've got to see tonight that, that you worship a big God. Another scripture, you can write it down. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 25. It says, for the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom. And the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. It's like his weakness is, 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 is better than the best we got. The best we got. His weakness is stronger than that. You worship a mighty God. You know, the next uh, uh, minutes here, I just want to go through scriptures and acts. Just to show how big God was. And uh, this really moved my heart. As I saw the, the early church... And as they were going from place to place, preaching and proclaiming about Jesus, lack of resources and everything. But the only thing that they were able to hold on to was that God was bigger than anything they faced. And it was just incredible. So turn over to Acts chapter 2. We're going to hop right on in there. And when you get there, can I get an amen? Wow, you got some fast turners right there. Did you really? Were you really in Acts? Okay, there we go. There we go. All right. Come on, Mateo. There we go. Uh, Acts chapter 2. And a little background of this. Jesus is, is, is in heaven. He's given the work over to the 11. They picked up Matthias to make it 12. And later on, they added Paul to make it 13. But they got the work. And again, in Matthew 28, you can go back and read it, 16 through, uh, through 20. I mean, that, to me, that would be an insecure time. That, uh, I mean, it's, it's funny because in like 16, it's like some doubt it. You know, like, okay, you're here. Okay, you were to go in to save the world, and you're still doubting. You know, when I read that, I'm like, wow. And so this is a very insecure time. And you would think, what's going to happen to, the, to, the, to the, the early church? What's going to happen at that first church service? You know, we got, I got here today, and, and I'm just trying to, uh, I'm running around trying to make sure the service goes well today. And we are all Christians, been Christians for a long time. Some of you are visiting with us, amen. But I'm thinking of the first church service, I would be freaking out, like, I'm preaching to who? Uh, what am I preaching? Let's look in, uh, in, in uh, Acts chapter 2. It's really amazing. In verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost came, 
They were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in uh, in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they're staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, the crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language, utterly amazed. They asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? How is each, how then, I'm sorry, then how is each of us uh, hears them in their own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and, convert, and converts to Judaism, Cretans, Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Wow. And the first point I want to make is that God was bigger than their lack of experience. Here's a bunch of guys that have no idea what they're doing. They're to go and to save people from all nations. How are you going to do that? You know, I mean, all of them were Galileans. How are you going to do that, really? That had to go through. I mean, I went through my mind. I'm looking at everyone like, brothers, do you, how, are we, how, are we, how are we supposed to go into all nations? Like, the, Jesus didn't explain that. All he said was, wait here, you'll you receive spirit from on high. Thanks, Jesus. I don't know what that means. But you know what? They trusted in God and knew that God was bigger than that. God was way bigger than that. I mean, he brought tongues of fire. I mean, that's better than anything could, that Jesus would explain. I mean, it came in tongues of fire, started speaking in other tongues. They're ready to go and preach God's word. That's amazing. God is bigger than our lack of experience. Our lack of experience. And I want to ask you a question. When you go out and share your faith, what are you insecure of? You know, when you go out and share your faith, I don't know if you're like me, I, I get so insecure. I'm trying to fix my hair, what little I have. You know, I'm trying to grow this, whatever this is. <laughs> I look like a 12-year-old boy, you know. I got I to gotta grow some, some facial hair. I go on campus, people think I'm a freshman. I'm not a freshman, I'm not even a school. And so I... It, I mean, I get so insecure. I'm trying to, you know, got my cards ready. I'm ready to go out and share. I'm so insecure. God is bigger than that. What are you insecure about when you go share your faith? What are you insecure about? Let's see what happened to unschooled ordinary men with Acts 13, or Acts 4, 13 says. You don't have to turn there. Stay, stay in chapter 2. We're going to drop down to 41. But the Bible describes this group as unschooled and ordinary men. Let's see what happened at the first church service. In verse uh, 41, those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. That's incredible. That's incredible. This is their first go-round. That's a, that's a pretty awesome day. I mean, the fact that 3,000 people were baptized, that's amazing. It says that they only record... Jewish males. So at least 3,000 Jewish males are baptized. There could be even more with women. Even more. Now that's awesome in itself. Let me take you a little deeper. This is Jewish males. I mean, there is, there is a history of tradition and religion in Judaism. If you ever checked it out, if you ever read the Old Testament, 
It's pretty hardcore. If you, ever, if you have friends who are Jews, it's a lot of tradition. It's a lot of bond to that. If someone told me, hey, you know, we're going to reach out at a Jewish revival, at like Pentecost celebration, I'm like, bro, that's not, that is not an open field. <laughs> I'm just being honest. If he said, hey, that's where we're going to start the church service, I'm like, at Pentecost? That's not an open field. But God is bigger than that. God is bigger than that. And he moved through the hearts of at least 3,000 people. That is incredible. God is bigger than a lack of experience. Flip over to uh, Acts chapter 3. Verse 1. Get a little sip of the agua. All right. Uh, Verse 1. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now, a man crippled from birth was being carried out to the temple uh, gate called Beautiful, when he's, uh, where he was put every day to beg for those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I, what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went out into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. You know, God is bigger than our finances. Peter and John were broke. I don't know how you're doing, but they were broke. And I'm part of campus ministry, and campus students are broke. <laughs> I laugh because it's true. <laughs> and I, and I, was, I was telling the, the, the service earlier uh, today, I, I, I forgot how broke campus students are. You know, I mean, they come over the house and they eat everything, everything you said before. It's amazing. It really is amazing. You should do it. It's, it's, it's cool. Just to see, I just, you know, some of the brothers, I just love watching them eat. It's kind of weird, but I just, I just like, wow, you're really hungry, you know? You're really hungry. You truly are hungry, you know? But, you know, Peter and John, they, they, they say, hey, we, silver or gold, we don't have. But what we do have, I give you, and that's the word of God. Do you make excuses for your financial situations to not share your faith? Like, man, I got to worry about this. I got to go here at the workplace. Everyone, I'm sure everyone's talking about it. You know, we just talked about just people losing their jobs uh, and how Middle, Jack Middleburg was just saying how people are so anxious. But they don't get to hear the words of Christ from you because you're consumed about your financial situation. And people miss it. People miss it. They miss God because you didn't take the time to open your mouth. How are you in the workplace? How are you in, in, in the classroom? We, we are the wealthiest people on the planet. If you're in Christ, you're the wealthiest person on the planet. Because when you die, and you may say, I am broke. I am broke. But when you die, you have a place in heaven. You have a place in heaven. But when other people die and they're not in Christ, they don't have a place in heaven. I mean, you heard it even with what Jack Middlebrook shared. Whether they have money or not, people are still anxious. But you know how to deal with your anxiety. Scriptures talk about it. 
Jesus says, hey, come to me, all who weary and burdened. I'll give you rest, rest for your souls. You have that. You need to give it. You need to give it. God is bigger than our finances. And you, may, you can't make ends meet or you probably want to invite people over. God will make a way if you trust him. God is bigger than your finances. Amen? Flip over to Acts 7. You got to love uh, uh, Stephen here and just his commitment and his conviction and belief in God. In Acts 7, uh, for those who are not familiar, the background is, is Stephen is, is, is one of the disciples there. He's preaching the word. He's out in public. The Jews are not liking it. And he began to drag him out to stone him because of the message. And we're going to pick up right when uh, uh, Stephen is, is saying a prayer to Jesus and just seeing how his heart and his conviction are. Uh, in Acts 7, we'll, we'll pick up in 59, and we're going to read from there. Verse 59, it says, While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul was there giving uh, approval to his death. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem. And all except apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. Then Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged men off and women to put them in prison. Those who have been scattered to preach the word, uh, those who have been scattered, preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to the city in Samaria and proclaimed Christ there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs that he did, uh, they paid close attention to him. Paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks and evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed. So there was great joy in the city. You know, God is bigger than our persecution. God is bigger than our persecution. Here Stephen is, is, is just his last words as they're throwing rocks at him and killing him. He's like, hey, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I mean, doesn't that sound familiar? Doesn't that sound familiar? And you would think this is a dark day in Christianity. This is probably the worst day. In fact, God used that to help the church even grow even more. I, I, again, if, if I had knew, knew Stephen, I was there, I'm like, man, this is really sad. I mean, you see the people, they took his body, they're deeply mourning. But because they were scattered, they were able to go into places probably where they wouldn't have gone before. And they preached the word wherever they went. And God was doing incredible things. You know, we heard a lecture from one of the brothers uh, from San Diego came up, and he was talking about the book of Daniel. And just uh, from the book of Daniel, talked about the history of the church. And he made a comment that really just impacted me. He said the church grew the most when it was under the, the worst persecution. But it grew the least when it was accepted widely. And it blew me away. God knows what he's doing. He's bigger than our persecution. You know, on campus uh, this semester, there was a lot. I, I call it, it was a war on campus. We had all kinds of different groups out there, uh, groups not liking us. Uh, other groups didn't know who we were. And it, was just, it just seemed like a battlefield. You know, people coming in, talking to our younger Christians. It just it, sneaky. I mean, just weird. And uh, I, I remember having a time I sat down with Kevin, and I was, I was starting to freak out. Like, Kevin, why? I, I, you know, I was losing my mind. 
And, uh, you know, God worked through Kevin, and he's like, get it together, all right? <laughs> Read your Bible. It happens. It happens. Read your Bible. People go through it. And I was like, wow, that, that, that makes sense. It makes sense. And I got in my Bible, and I made Jesus Lord again. And hold to the word and to go out there and to fight, to fight for the gospel. Because God is bigger than our persecution. God is bigger than persecution. You know, we've had probably the, I am so encouraged by the students, we probably had the best rush week I have ever seen in a campus ministry. It's been, incre- it's been incredible. It's not because of any of us, it's because God is bigger than everything happening on campus. Everything happened on campus. I am proud of the campus ministry that we have in Orange County. It, it, I'm getting a little choked up about it. But uh, it's, it's, it's really amazing. God is bigger than persecution. You may have family members that are persecuting you right now. God's bigger than that. People may be persecuting you at work. God is bigger than that. He's bigger than that. You know, what do you do when you get persecuted? Do you stand firm? Do you trust God? You know that he's got something working? I mean, read the story of the disciples and say, oh, you know, Stephen's dead. I think this religion is really weird. I give up. No. He said they preached the word wherever they went, knowing that family members could, could, could be gone the next day. I mean, it, you know, if you read different uh, early manuscripts, it's like it, it wouldn't be uncommon to come to a church service and knowing there's probably three or four people that died that day because of persecution. But the church still grew. God is bigger than our persecution. Amen? He's bigger, and he will, he will rescue us. He will bring people. Your persecution may cause another family member, another co-worker, because they see you being persecuted, be interested in studying the Bible if you stand firm. There's incredible stories when you see that happen. When someone gets persecuted and, and the onlookers look in, you know, I'm speaking like the Bible, onlooker. You know, they're looking at you, and they say, you know what? I want to find out about that church because I see the way you stand up for your faith. We've got to stand firm and let God use us. Amen? A couple more. Turn over to Acts 10. And uh, in Acts 10, you have the story of Cornelius. Incredible story. Where God was making his point to Peter, saying, now I want you to go reach out to the Gentiles. And in, in verse 44, we pick up, where Peter actually uh, comes in contact with Cornelius. In 44, it says, While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out, even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then he asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. God is bigger than our perception of people. This was, this was the first time in, in, in the history of what we know, reading Acts, of the, of the first Gentile convert. And I'm sure the perception was, hey, we're just going to reach out to the Jews. I mean, that's what they did. It's what the, how the church started. But God was like, no, we're going to take it deeper. We're going to reach out to the Gentiles. God is bigger than our perception of people around us. Are there people at work or at school that you write off? 
You think, you know, that person's not open. I don't know if they ever be open. I don't think so. God is bigger than that. God is bigger than that. I was not open at all. And you think, well, you're, you're, you're a minister. I know. I was not open when the guy reached out to me. Not in the slightest. At, not at all, okay? I'm, I'm emphasizing that because it's true. I mean, I was, I was running, not running, I keep saying running, but I was walking away from this guy because I knew he wanted to get something from me. I didn't want to give it to him. I don't know what it was, but I didn't want to be near him. I was trying to, you know, speed walk to the car, not be like an all-out run because that'd be embarrassing, but like a speed walk to the car. And he followed me and he invited me out to church. And I still wasn't open. He asked for my number. I still wasn't open. He said he went to church. I still wasn't open. I got on the last digit before I gave my number. I still wasn't open. And I was going in between and giving him a wrong digit, the last digit I was contemplating. Still not open. Gave him my number. Still wasn't open. He called me for months. Still wasn't open. At all. You know, I'm, I'm sure I discouraged him greatly. You know? I don't know, because you call people like, man, I, I, I thought that, you know, I, I call people back because I thought they were cool. They were like, yeah, it's great. Like, Bible study? Awesome. Yeah, you know? And you call them and you can't get a hold of them or you call them, it's like a wrong number. I was not open all the way through. And he called me and I still wasn't open. And he kept calling. Because God was bigger than his perception of people, whatever people, everyone thought. And I finally came out to church like three months later. After weekly calls from this guy. You know, I got kind of weird. Because I didn't know if he like, liked me in like a, a different way, you know. I'm like, I'm cool with that. Like, I don't do that. But... I, you know, there you go. You know what I'm saying? But he kept, he kept calling me and I came out to church. And even when I came out to church, I was not open. Because I came to church out of spite from my mom. So I'm going to another church. I don't want to go to your church. Take that. I like those apples. I came to church with a wrong heart. I sat in the front row with a wrong heart. We were fighting over communion. It's true, it's true, I am not making this up. My brother and my best friend I brought out to church were fighting over the crackers at communion. <laughs> and Gio Garces, if anyone knows Gio, he's sitting like right there, and we were like right there, and he just gave me this look of death. Like I thought he was going to get up and like hit me. <laughs> I mean, we were fighting during the Lord's Supper. I was sitting next to a girl that I was lusting after in church. I was not open, but he still stuck in there with me. And I became a Christian. God is bigger than our perception of people. He's bigger than our perception of people. I am married now. I'm, I'm, I'm privileged to be uh, on staff working for, for God. It's incredible because a brother thought that God was bigger than the perception of people. Uh, let's end out in uh, Acts 26. I love this. is one of my favorite uh, lines from Paul in all of Acts. Other than Jesus is Lord, you know. <laughs> he got baptized. That was pretty awesome. Uh, but uh, this one is, 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 uh, is a great line. And we'll pick up in verse uh, 25 
or 24. Uh, the, the background of this is, is Paul is before the king, Agrippa, and, and Festus, and, he, and he's here. He's sharing his life. I mean, he's just like, he's like, I'm going to go for the gusto here. I'm, I'm, I'm going to lay it all on the table. He's in chains. He's bound uh, before the king here. And at 24, we'll pick it up. At this point, Festus interrupt Paul's defense. You are out of your mind, Paul, he shouted. Your great learning is, dri- is, uh, is driving you insane. I am not insane, most excellent Festus, Paul replied. What I am saying is true and reasonable. The king is familiar with these things, and I can speak freely to him. I am convinced that none of this has escaped his notice because it was, it was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. Then King Agrippa said to Paul, do you think in such a short time you can persuade me to become a Christian? Paul replied, short time or long, I pray, that God, I pray God that not only you but all who are listening to me today may become what I am except for these chains. You know, God is bigger than the impossible. Here he is before the king. And he's like, hey, I want to baptize you and everybody in here. I mean, I would love to be there. I'm like, yeah, 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 you know. Come on, Paul. That's my buddy. You know, like, it's sweet. I mean, this dude, like, stood up for the gospel. He wasn't up there, like, you know, you know, being ashamed of Christ. And I've been there, and I've been out there sharing my faith and been ashamed. I chickened out. He stood up for his, his faith and believed that God was bigger than the impossible. I mean, I thought, like, man, Paul, it's, it's, you've done a lot of great things, bro, but I don't know if King Agrippa's going to become a Christian. I mean, just, I mean, you converted, like, high priest. I mean, you, like, planted churches. That's enough. He's like, no, God is bigger. He can do more, and I'm going to go for it. And that's how we need to be as a church, as we go into love for the lost. God is bigger than these things. He's bigger than the issues and problems that you have in your life right now. Right now. You're thinking about him right now. Yeah, that thought, yes. He's bigger than that. He's bigger than that. And we've got to believe it. We have got to believe it. If we are to go out to save a lost world, over 3 million people in Orange County, We've got to believe that God is bigger. Because if not, you're not going to believe it can be done. But if you believe you worship a God who can do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, then reaching out to 3 million people in Orange County is nothing. Because we know he can do more. The prophets believed it in the Old Testament that God was bigger. The apostles believed it in the New Testament that God was bigger. Will you believe it today that God is bigger? Amen.